Welcome to A24 on the Rocks, a podcast where four Midwesterners are preparing for our winter hibernation, but instead of eating extra salmon, we are drinking extra Everclear and reviewing every A24 film in chronological order of distribution. Today we will be reviewing the 2017 dramedy The Lovers, starring Deborah Winger and Tracy Letts. But first, we start every podcast announcing our drink of choice. My name's Eric Kiska, and of course, I'm drinking straight Everclear. Kelly, what are you drinking? Hey, I'm Kelly. I'm not doing that because that's crazy talk from a crazy man. Instead, I'm doing something completely civil and normal, which is drinking a cocktail that comes in a can. Uh, My choice tonight is a high noon vodka and soda pineapple edition. After me comes a man in Alaska. Hello, my name is Cole William Whitlaw Gibson. Tonight I am drinking my favorite whiskey, Little Jefferson's Ocean Aged from Voyage 26. Good evening, world. It's Kevin K. Konkonachek, and uh, I'm drinking fancy beer again, but uh, it's one from Youngblood Brewing Company. You might have heard me try to put them over before because they're quite delicious and they're out of Madison. But this one's a sour ale with uh, strawberry, apple, and cinnamon. So it's uh, got a little fall flavor to it, a little spice, if you will. So sour beer is on the palate for me tonight. Beautiful, beautiful. So The Lovers is a 2017 film written and directed by Ezzel Jacobs. I have looked at his filmography and he seems to specialize in little-known indie films that have not had much commercial success. The Lovers premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival on April 22, 2017 and was distributed by A24 on May 5, 2017. It was also released to critical acclaim, scoring a 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. The film is about a middle-aged married couple named Mary and Michael who are both cheating on each other and have grown emotionally distant in what seems to be many, many years of marriage. One day, their son Joel calls and tells them that he will be coming home for a short visit with his girlfriend Erin, and due to pressure from Mary and Michael's mistresses, this incurs a date for Mary and Michael to come clean about their extramarital affairs. So, I'll just uh, start out. What did you think of our two main characters, Mary and Michael? And uh, what did you think of Tracy Letts and Deborah Winger's portrayals of them? Uh, Cole, let's start with you. Um, I thought the two characters were kind of hateable. <laughs> uh, but, you know, their first interactions with them were pretty nondescript, just, you know, middle-aged, elderly people living their life. Um, I felt like the actors did... You know, an okay job. I don't think there's anything spectacular. Um, I think um, maybe if they had a little bit of a better uh, script, would have explored it. But for the most part, I thought they were, they were just fine. Everything was fine. Kevin, same question to you. What did you initially think of Mary and Michael? So, like Cole, I was initially interested in the way that they were introducing the characters to us. Um, so... I had watched the trailer before this, and I feel like watching the trailer completely changes the tone of how we start this film and get introduced to these characters. Because you're kind of expecting it to be a certain way, or at least in my brain it was, and to have the conflict be the first thing that we see with these characters was a was a loop for me, I suppose. It was a very interesting opener. But the way they portrayed those characters 
was was kind of bland, I suppose, but that was okay for the start because you kind of needed to get introduced to their characters throughout the film, and at the beginning didn't matter as much to me how they were portraying them at that particular time. I think throughout the film, it's like Cole said, it's an okay performances from both of them. That nothing really uh, drove home anything fantastic. Um, I don't think any performance in this whole film actually was something that really drove my my excitement by any stretch of the imagination from that side of it. So, to answer your question, my initial res- uh, response to them was meh, and it kind of stayed that yeah. way throughout most of the film. Kelly, same to you. I mean, were they likable at all to you? Not likable, but I don't know that they're supposed to be. There's a quote that they say later in the movie that says, like, we make bad choices, but we're not bad people. But my response to that was, yeah, but, like, look at everything that you clear in your way just to make those choices and the amount of destruction that you've left behind (laughs) you is, like, not okay. Um, That said, I felt like the way we were introduced to them, along with the score for this movie, kind of felt like I was watching, like, a, a play or an opera where the audience knows something that the actors on stage do not. And we're supposed to like sit there and hold our mouth or hold our hands to our mouths. Like, Oh, what drama will unfold before us while the music swells. That felt like how the introduction to this movie was. For sure. Cole. Um, Absolutely. I mean, they both cheated on one another with another person and then got together with that like like i just i mean they just they threw away their whole marriage they were miserable and then they seemed to enjoy cheating so then when they did eventually um i guess like separate right they continued to do it and wanted to get back together they just like cheating on people they're just bad people yeah yeah if we can't be like defined or maybe even like condemned a bit for the bad choices and actions that people take then what is the point that you kind of condemn and define somebody? Is it based on like characteristics that they don't choose and actions that they don't get to take? Like, cause that's a, that's a scary uh, slope to slide down. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Kevin, what did you think of our mit- mistresses? Uh, one is obviously played by Aiden Gillen, who was Littlefinger in uh, Game of Thrones. And I have to say he was quite wormy like Littlefinger, but, uh, I guess, like, in this situation, do they deserve as much blame as the people actually cheating on each other? Blame? No, I feel like they were kind of the oddly innocent ones, I guess, in this uh, situation. I feel like they knew what they were, both of them. They weren't being hidden from the significant other. They both knew that they were the the lover, I suppose, right? And a lot of these cheating stories, they, the person that they're having a relationship with doesn't necessarily know that you're married but they were clearly open about that well i think they think that the uh people like the significant other um the married couple they're not telling the other person that uh that they're cheating on them they think that right but but i mean like he's sharing with lucy for example that he's married he's not hiding that fact from her um same with with our with aiden like he knows full well that she has a husband that she's avoiding and all of that stuff what was the original question i feel like we're in a a loop there well what did you think of them too i i was saying you know i i feel like aiden gillen's character was quite wormy like little finger yeah i was i was (laughs) gonna say they kind of and you asked if like if they were to blame or something along those lines um they were kind of needy a little whiny uh, a little bit uh where's me where's mine uh, why haven't you done this yet? So it made it also feel like it had been a very long time. 
And maybe that's what the movie was going for, too. Like, the son clearly knew that they were been cheating on each other or were estranged for a long time. It felt that way in, the, like, their their awkwardness of getting back together as the film portrays. So I, that probably was a long, long time. And so yeah. those two that they had been, and especially because they're in love, right? It's not just like they're infatuated. They're both very much in love, and they've been talking about this date. So I imagine a years, years of years of, of infidelity there. And so they probably have a right to be whiny, I guess, in the long run. But they still just came across as, meh, where's mine? So you don't see them as homewreckers at all? No, not at all. No. I think that, if anything, that those two clearly showed that they were looking for something else, that cheating is what gets them off, that cheating is their deal. Like, we see that in the final climax of the movie. Yeah. Like, it's all about the thrill for them. Uh, so, no, I, I don't blame those two for being homewreckers whatsoever. I think that it was definitely the our, our two main characters just not being able to be compatible in a relationship, and they have to do something else to get their rocks off. Kelly, do you think they the mistresses deserve any blame in this at all? Well, yeah, there is some blame, but I definitely think that they're being lied to by the people that they're cheating with that I think is unsaid, but assumed is that both of these man and wife are telling their lover <laughs> that like the the marriage is over. It's, it's pretty much gone anyway. Everything's done. There's nothing between us. It's just, we're just doing it for our son. We're waiting for the right time to separate. But that would be one thing, but then you see them come back together at the end of the night, and it's not like... Just so much of their turmoil throughout this movie would be solved if they were both just got a divorce or just said, let's just be open. But instead, they're just like, no passion, totally gave up at home, super depressing existence. But that's separate from your question. Your question is, are they blameless? No. But is anyone blameless for anything? They know that they're technically cheating, but... To an extent, you can't help who you fall in love with, and you can't help if the person you fell in love with absolutely lied to you about their circumstance. That's fair. Um, yeah, Cole, uh, what did you think of these two mistresses? Did you find them whiny and uh, just, you know, annoying? Or uh, did you kind of understand where they were coming yeah, from? Yeah, so um, the mistress for the dude, first off, she's probably one of the most like jacked old ladies I've seen because her biceps were pretty massive. And then you find out she's a ballerina, so it kind of makes sense. Um, but she, I thought, like, I felt like she was, for the most part, fairly reasonable. And I didn't think she was, like, whiny or anything. Granted, she did hiss at people like a cat and definitely fell into the, uh, quote-unquote, like, theater kid category of kind of strange. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, I mean, she wanted to be in a relationship with this guy. And he kept kind of almost, like, stringing her along. And then... Mr. Uh, Littlefinger, um, I think he was definitely more of a, like a little whiny kind of uh, dude, mostly because of his poems and stuff. I felt like he was a little on the annoying side and um, definitely seemed yeah. to be kind of abusive in a way where he uh, seemed like he may, may snap and I uh, did not think it was the best. So I wasn't a big fan of him either. Um, and yeah, when I first like looked at the plot of this movie and I saw the genre and they put it under comedy romance, not romantic comedy, but comedy romance. I found that kind of interesting because, I mean, I, I guess you could consider this a romance film. I didn't find much romantic about it besides people uh, just, I guess, having <laughs> sex with one, one How another. How much comedy yeah. did you find in it either, though? Yeah. Well, so this is leads Seriously, to my question. Like... Um, <laughs> the music was very comedic and whimsical. It was almost like Curb Your Enthusiasm music to me. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah, like, I mean, Kevin, what did you think of the score? And would this film even be comedic if there was no music in it? <sighs> Kelly kind of alluded to it, right? I really had the same exact thought that it felt like I was watching a play, that there was some sort of reason that we had to fill the awkward silence with big, grand orchestral music. Like, mm-hmm. why are we doing these huge swelling arcs and then silence as they have conversations? It was... Super interesting to me. And then to have music be uh, a theme uh, with our characters as well, with with our main character being a pianist and a performer, and that's how they met. And we have the very cool rendition of It Must Be Loved by the Madness, you know, um, right there at the end when he's playing the piano, which is, you know, 1980s classic. I think it's 80s anyway. Um, First written in my uh, point, early 70s and then re-released in the 80s and got big in the 80s. Just, there yeah, we go. Okay. Yep. So um, I really also enjoyed, like we talked about the ballet stuff, like that's Tchaikovsky's beauty ballet from the 1889, which is just freaking cool because then um, better known for Sleeping Beauty when they made it into a Disney film in the 50s. <laughs> but still really cool to pick out familiar themes as you're kind of watching it. I don't know if the music so much made the com- the comedy there for me. I think it was more just like a way to fill some of the gaps in this film. I don't really know how to also describe it, mm-hmm. but it just kind of like it almost took its own kind of character in its own way. I guess it was cool. Um, and the, oh, the other thing I wrote down is there was that song, um, I'm Doing What My Heart Says Do by Georgia White when they're dancing together at one point. And like, that's what she ends up going with, right? Is her heart while she's dancing with uh, our little finger character, mm-hmm. Aiden, I think what you said. So Aiden Gillen's his music. actor name and then uh, his his actual name in the, yeah, Robert in the film is Robert. Yep. Yeah, so either way, music played a big part in this film for sure. And uh, I, I guess I did appreciate that for the most part. Um, the score, like you said, was by Mandy Hoffman, which is a longtime collaborator with the film's director. Um, so that's kind of cool that they were able to kind of continue their relationship and, and build that uh, off something there. So so I personally kind of think that they almost used this music as a crutch. I, I feel like the screenplay could have been a lot more interesting, could have been for the situation that they're putting these people in. Uh, they could have had a much much better dialogue, much better, I don't know, lines of writing and quotes in here. Kelly, do you feel the same where they almost used the music as a crutch for this film? I don't think that that went through my head right away. I just felt like it was like a risk um, to like pick that kind of music for it, whether it was going to hit or not. And I think for some members of the audience, it probably worked. Um, but for me, I just thought it was like a total mismatch and super weird, but... Um, in the music's defense, I think the entire movie was super weird, and so was the music. I don't know. Nothing nothing hit for me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I guess the only times where I really laughed in this film was when Michael went, God damn it! And it was it almost reminded me of Hank Hill in King of the Hill. Like, damn it, Bobby! <laughs> and he would just have this long, drawn-out, God damn it! And I don't know, I enjoyed that. But uh, besides that, yeah, yeah, I wasn't laughing a ton. But halfway through this movie, uh, both Mary and Michael wake up one day, stare at each other oddly, then end up having sex. And uh, I mean, Cole, what happened in the scene that seemingly reignited the spark in their relationship? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, when you come out of the shower with just a towel and then you just sit on the bed next to a person that you're married with and you can sense there's no sexual connection or romance between the two. Um, obviously that's how 
they start banging it out because it uh, it just it made absolutely no sense. There was no build up to it. They like up until you know through the, up until this point, they had basically been distant and non-existent in each other's lives almost to the point where obviously they were cheating on each other and planning to end it without the other one knowing. But uh, and then just randomly they decide to I don't know they just wake up and they're facing each other and they you know have a little kiss and the rest it goes i guess i don't know (laughs) it doesn't make sense they're almost like ew at first i thought but yeah that's i thought they were disgusted it it reminded me of that awkward cliche where like the two friends who aren't supposed to kiss suddenly like get too close to each other and have a moment and like oh we can't do that like what is that and like wait you're married. Maybe that's the whole idea, right? They, they've gone so far away from each other, so completely opposite of what their marriage was initially, that now being forced with this reality of the, the cute kiss, not just the wake up, but like the kiss kiss, like that was kind of the moment, right? You're mm-hmm. just going to have that cutesy dealio and then bada bing, bada boom. And then maybe they realize that. Well, I don't know. Now this thing gets all fucking convoluted oh. again because neither of them were super happy in their weird relationship on the side at that point. So now they're escaping their side relationship with each other again, which is why this is an A24 movie because yeah. it's a fucking twist with a twist and a yeah. weird, not so weird <laughs> twist. And I felt like here we are. Um, fucking wonderful. Them waking yeah. up face to face like that. The reason that he kind of gave her a kiss was that he thought his own wife was Lucy and they both thought they were like waking up with the person that they're cheating with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then the, there you go. And exactly. they're like, they oh, no, they were cheating the on my person. person. Oh, yeah. wait, wait a minute. <laughs> and then I think that, but that you're my person. Yeah, is this yeah. okay? Is this allowed? And it gave uh, them a thrill somehow, gonna... and that's what gets them kind of gets their rocks off. Is that they were right, like, and then they just take lunches Ugh. and have sex a and whole bunch like for the next ten s- minutes of the film. because yeah. that was a stylistic choice. Not only physically cheating, but like emotionally cheating. That's the thing. He initiates sex with his own wife afterwards, and how they both look like really guilty and ashamed, and he's just like stares at her and proceeds to get like closer and closer and closer. And I was like. I need to I need to leave. This is like absolutely making my skin peel off. And meanwhile they're a married couple. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely it felt awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean I think yeah, like what I was saying, I think that they get a thrill out of emotionally cheating on their significant other. And I'm guessing, you know, at some point they got disinterested in each other. Mary and Michael did a long time ago and their relationship had run its course. And then one day they just kind of wake up. And I think this might have been the moment where Michael realized Mary was cheating on him, too, because as we figure out later, Joel, uh, like, knew that Michael was cheating on Mary. And I think Mary knew already. And then maybe Michael finally figured out, oh, wait, Mary knows uh, or Mary is cheating on me, too. And that, like made it all that more sexually attractive to him for some odd reason. Well, uh, these people are kind of fucked up in the head. Obviously. Yeah, I think so. you got it for sure. The first thing that I wrote yeah. down in my notes was like, the only thing that these lovers have in common is a thrill for cheating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is sad, but, you know, that's that's the people we're following for this film. Um, we then meet Joel and his new girlfriend Aaron, and uh, ah. yep. And initially, they all seem to get along well, even though Joel seems very hesitant to accept that his parents are in love again. And you know, for this brief moment in time, they were in love again. Uh, and I guess um, 
Cole, what did you think of Joel and his relationship with his parents? Like, it seems there's years of baggage there. Yeah, so I think Joel's relationship with his family is not, with his parents, is not not a good one. Mm-hmm. I don't think Joel is necessarily, um, has a, has, is the is the best mindset emotionally or as, as an adult. Uh, I mean, like the train scene with him bringing his, um, his significant other to meet them, he's like, straight up tells her to just shoot him in the face if he's even remotely if he like you know starts to like them or acts like his parents at all which is a bit extreme and then the scene where he yep. he finds out that his dad's cheating on his mom but he doesn't realize his mom's also doing it but uh he gets so mad that he just fucking punches punches yeah. the wall the little <laughs> sheet of drywall kind of remind me of Andy Bernard in the office a bit no he he went through two things of drywall remember cuz she could look through the Two pieces uh, of drywall into the room oh, yeah. and peer through. In that case, he did need the so bandage. That's what it was. Yep. <laughs> he, he he really fucking went hard. Yep. Which is uh, again not the best response from uh, like an adult emotional standpoint. Like maybe as a child, for sure, I could see that as you don't understand or know how to properly deal with your emotions. But um, yeah, a little uh, concerning. And then I was concerned again for his significant other because again he's uh seemed very angry and throwing punches and may or may not be abusive. Nah, I wasn't a big fan. Well Kelly Kelly, what did you think of uh Joel? Uh was he just a prick to you or do you did you feel any empathy for him? Because I mean he obviously has known that his dad has been cheating on his mom for a long time. I did feel empathy for him, but I also, like, I never use this word, and especially not for people I actually know in real life, but I can say it because he's a character. He's a nutcase. He needs a lot of help, and that's exactly what I took from him. He's just emotionally volatile as hell, and... I mean, did his parents do this to him, though, you think? I mean, the parents can't be blamed for everything, and at this point, like, he is an adult. You are in college. You can move on. You have every option to. You can see your parents as people with flaws. Or mm-hmm. you can be a child and punch holes in the wall and have a crying breakdown and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I don't know, just pick, pick your path. Laugh, but-, <laughs> but it seems like there's hope for him in the end. Like, he, he's into cooking. So, he's got yeah. that going for him. I'm really happy for him. For sure. There's something still a little sl- slapsticky about punching a hole in a wall. I, I don't know what it is, but... <laughs> <laughs> he does cook um, at the end, Cole. They do that little montage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, true. With his new family. Yeah, he's yeah. got a new family. <laughs> you know, he abandoned his old one. Like I'm not a child of from like a divorced family, but I think that there's like some commentary in there of like, would you rather your parents be not in love and really obvious about it, or would you rather your parents be just divorced at that point? Um, and I think that there's a lot of trauma that kids can have because you know when your parents love each other or they don't. And I think that there's some commentary in there about it, even though it's supposed to be supposed to be funny and romantic. So why did they yeah. make him absolutely off the walls bonkers? Uh, was pretty pretty yeah. extreme. I also think not to that, not to Bogart too no, much, but I think that he's like the climax of the movie. He's the reason that. Like they're gonna tell their lovers like and set a date and like all this kind of stuff and then they like weasel him into like the last third of the movie. I feel like that should have. I feel like the timing of all of this could have been reworked a bit and it would have made the pacing of the movie 
come together a lot better because there's so much just monotonous crap uh, beforehand. And that's the only time with him punching the wall that I actually was like, oh, I think like my heart actually <laughs> did a beat with the movie for once instead of me sitting here drooling and like glazed over the entire time with boredom. So I wish that they just kind of moved that climax up some or something. Kevin, you were going to say something? Yeah. No, I just didn't like his character. I didn't like his performance. I didn't like any of it. It was too back and forth. <laughs> it was on one, like, all of a sudden he's like, literally, if I look or act anything like either of the people that birthed me, punch me in the face physically. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a little extreme, but sure, you really don't like your parents. Cool, way to set that up. And then all it took was one glimpse of them being cute and his little heart melted and all of a sudden he's like maybe there's a chance and then literally within another what 90 minutes or whatever the fucking thing he's punching walls and throwing pianos and you know, all that it's just it didn't make sense the writing was bad the acting didn't help it um i did feel a little bit of sympathy i suppose and i liked the decision to get up and leave and not make the piano the soothing family yeah. moment where they all sing kumbaya again together i i liked that choice so that was cool uh from his character perspective uh, but super weird to make him with a really sweet, innocent character and just make him violent and angry. Like, you just didn't want her to have to deal with that. And I don't know if that was mm -hmm. what the point was or not, but it was uh, awkward, I guess. <laughs> or the other scene where they just devoid of writing where he just sits in the cubicle and just leans back and just goes, <laughs> <laughs> That was it. That was it. That was the ending scene. I'm like, oh, that, all right. Waited. Cool, I guess. So bizarre. <laughs> so... We, uh, I mean, we kind of talked about the climax a bit right now, but uh, I do want to, like, backtrack a little bit here. So we do get a bit about Michael's past in one scene where uh, Aaron comes downstairs early one morning, sits and has a coffee with Michael. Michael then opens up about himself, and this was the first time we've really had a glimpse into either lover's past. And um, he reveals that he didn't ever graduate college and actually wanted to be a professional musician. This is where he met Mary, and they fell in love. And we know now that Michael is working a dead-end job, and he seems just extremely bored with life. Uh, and I guess, did this in bit of info give any more empathy into this character? Uh, I'll go to Cole. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think it really gave me much empathy into that character, into him, just because he almost, um, I mean, it, there was like the sad fact where it seemed he felt like he had like entrapped or trapped his his current wife because she fell in love with a musician and then he had eventually essentially gave it all up so that was kind of like a, an interesting story plot that i wish they explored maybe a little bit more um because you know he felt sorry for her in a way because he f didn't live up to his own expectations which is kind of sad but also he you know also kind of blamed his kid and his wife for not being able to travel and continue doing his music and he still could have like there's no reason why he couldn't have done it but you know everyone kind of sets up their own rules to almost limit themselves from what they want and then they develop this resentment towards the people that you know they believe caused them not to be able to pursue their careers but um and also i don't know it just felt like again like a kind of a weird thing thrown in that wasn't fully explored and yeah. then at the end he sits down and you know plays the piano and everyone's like oh yeah he's a musician cool i kind of felt more depressed for him i was like well you know he wanted to be a musician and then life happens and uh 
He, you know, is now working this dead-end job, and I guess he probably gets his thrills out of just cheating, and that's his thing, which is really, you know, a shitty thing to do. But, yeah, I mean, Kevin, did that give you any more empathy into his character? Or I guess. I mean, it. I guess it explains... Not you never need a reason why to cheat, right? You don't want to ever explain like, this is yeah. the reason why. I understand why you were infidel. You have a dead end job, and your music's your passion, and it died. And eh, I wish they would have made it a more central theme. I thought that was just like completely randomly tossed in there so they could have a scene playing the piano or have something to throw things around. It just didn't make sense to like maybe if he would have been working at a bar, like as a bartender or something, and then he was used to be a musician, but like cubicle job yeah. piano just was a far-fetched just didn't really see it didn't really make me feel one way or another other than i was hoping there'd be a little more musical aspect in it because he was a performer so i did get that yeah. um, out of it mm-hmm. so i mean and we don't really hear anything about mary's past uh kelly do you think you know her character was a bit underdeveloped in that aspect i don't know what i kind of read about mary was that she's into um, men who are artistic and express themselves in creative ways because Robert is a writer. So she oh, yeah. probably fell in love with her husband back when he Pretty was... Pretty shitty one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and probably both of them in their own way. Um, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's her type, though, and that's who she fell in love with, and then people change over time, and you have kids, and then you just... You just cheat on each other, and you don't really care about their feelings anymore. And that—that's just how life goes, you know. Um, so she'll just find a different creative guy to sleep with, and then move in with later, and then cheat on him as well. Yeah, it just feels very underdeveloped, in my opinion. Where they gave some some like pass to Michael, but nothing to Mary. And I guess how you're talking, it seems like her lovers are just her personality. Like that's whoever she's. Uh, having sex with that's her personality and that yeah and i I don't know that seems pretty lame i think the other part of her character that also really stood out to me was like how much she's just kind of like shrugs about her own son (laughs) like she can't really keep track of what his diet is because it changes too often isn't really too interested in like what that is or if if she knows that he could cook or not she's like yeah i knew that i think i might have known that like She's just preoccupied and, like, lives in her own mind, so I don't really know how to take yeah. that in, but I think that's the only other hint that we really have about her, and that she likes to blow off her coworker for lunch a lot. Yeah. This might have been one of the first movies where I'm really getting an essence of, uh, we're all kind of okay boomering it, you know? Like, this is might just be a movie for boomers and people that are in their 50s that might be sick of their marriages, and then they understand where Mary and Michael might be coming from, and... Getting their rocks off by cheating on each other, I guess. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's where the like, you know, audience for this. Kelly, I think there's a movie in A24's future that you and I saw in theaters, Eric, and that's the Oh yeah, you you hurt my feelings. Yeah, yep. That movie and this movie, I think, are spiritual siblings. Yeah, very kind of similar that. in their kind of vibe and way of joking about things and i definitely think that i'm like missing out on it because i probably need to be older to appreciate it more and based on two youtuber reviews that i watched about this movie one from a guy about our age and one from a guy who's easily a boomer they have the basically the opinions that we're hinting at the first guy was like this is super boring and i hated it and the second guy was like what a witty charming movie maybe the best i've seen this year and i'm like 
what am I missing? <laughs> yeah, eighty-two percent well, Rotten Tomatoes. So, yeah. Exactly. The to the critics versus the audience score is starkly different on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And I'm reading some of these critic ones. I'm like, what the fuck am I missing <laughs> here? Like, no, that's not true. That's definitely not true. Because critics, on movie, average, like, are older older people. So. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I guess it just. Uh, the Lovers is both a tragedy and a satiric comedy. Yeah. Absolute provocative kicker. Like, nah, no, is it though? Yeah. No, it's not. If you're listening to this podcast, it's not. All right? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just not. <laughs> I do think, like, audience scores, I also take them with a grain of salt because it just takes, like, one Reddit or one 4chan thread to completely tank a movie's audience score. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to call I, out I mean, two YouTube comments I saw in the trailer for this movie that made me feel like a fish out of water. Like, I watched a whole different movie. Um, yeah. Some Here's one comment on the trailer for this movie. I wish my marriage went like this. The fuck? <laughs> Sorry, what? It's got a lot of underlying issues there, <laughs> no. it seems like. <laughs> I think the, it's such a short I comment. I wish I could so cheat much. on my... Yeah. I wish I could and then the, have the best of both worlds. The other one, which is less confusing, more depressing, uh, said, I want to fall in love with my husband again like this. So you want to oh, cheat on your yeah, lover and then come back and Re- ugh, reignite your flame. Definitely underlying issues yeah. in both of those comments, for sure. Yeah, it was so sad. I think the reason why it got such a high, I don't know, like review score on Rotten Tomatoes is um, one, because a lot of critics are older and I think a lot of critics are older and jaded towards maybe their significant other to the point that it's almost like a, a boomer humor type situation for this film. I, I, I don't understand why it got such a good review. It doesn't really make sense. I don't think this is a very good movie. And I also think that critics tend to give higher ratings towards films that do something unique, which like, all credit due it does do something unique of making a love story out of people cheating on their significant others and then you know finding love (laughs) with their significant other back after cheating on them i mean it's it's a strange concept so i guess you got to give them credit for something new and interesting instead of just a hallmark film but yeah definitely geared towards i think the older generation and all those you know wife Kind of like, oh, my, I got to talk to my wife kind of, you know, slave driver, blah, 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 jokes that boomers tend to have. So I was going to ask, like, is was Joel's reaction warranted? But it seems like we're all like a no. He went way too far off the handles. Just get a grip, man. That's kind of what I said during the scene. Get a grip. But, you know, the ending is this gigantic fight. And Michael and Mary finally come clean about their extramarital affairs. At least Michael does fully. And after this huge fight... Michael sits down and plays the piano ballad It Must Be Loved by Labi Sifri. From, uh, it's originally released in 1971. And, um, Kevin, did you feel you got good closure on Michael and Mary's relationship after this scene? Like, you know, them coming clean, was that closure enough? Hmm. I liked the ending all the way up until the very, very end. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was going to be good closure having not a fairy tale ending, having the kind of heartbreak of a family breaking up, but also having the nice little, or at least they have another chance at love and everyone seems to be relatively happy. Uh, I would have been perfectly fine if they would have rolled credits right after that and not gone with the phone call 
of getting in the car and I've been thinking about you all day and then the the, the retwist back to the cheating lifestyle. I thought that was cheap, that that was unnecessary and it I don't it wasn't quirky. It was just like it made me feel angry at the characters. Like I almost had a little bit of like moment where I felt sympathetic and kind of felt for them like okay, that that sucked your family's broken up and now you've got another chance at this into the you fuckers you didn't learn anything this is absolutely just stupid and i've turned the tv off immediately as soon as the credits rolled so was not thrilled with that choice yeah kelly uh did this fight slash them coming clean actually give you closure no it gave me the ick (laughs) (laughs) i just hated all of it yuck but like uh kevin had said i like that the son and girlfriend just walk out the door and just yeah they're like i'm them, done with this shit <laughs> let those parents just keep on bullshitting like because that's all they've been doing this entire movie no need to be witness to it any longer and like uh kevin said i wanted to roll credits right then um everything that followed was just ickier to me and it wasn't funny and it wasn't like yeah. it was depressing but in a way that's like it's depressing and like a boring exhausting angry way and not depressing and like oh my soul this really speaks to me kind of way so therefore the worst of the two cole (laughs) did you get any closure from the sending no i don't i don't know like (laughs) no not really i mean like i don't even think their son felt like he got closure i thought it was kind of um uh, when he started, when uh, the father started playing the piano, I was half expecting everyone to kind of come together and do some stupid homework thing, but I'm glad they didn't. Uh, but it just, um, it kind of continued on. And I, I don't know. I just, I felt like there was no closure because as soon as we felt like we got closure with them splitting up and them getting with their, um, the mistresses and whatnot, then they call each other and they're like, oh. I miss you so so badly, and then it kind of it just recess the whole fucking thing, and poor Joel is gonna you know take out a whole Home Depot full of plywood when he or drywall when he sees his parents are now cheating on their his step parents. I don't know, man. It doesn't make sense. Somebody yeah. tell these boomers that open marriages exist. Somebody tell them. That's where we okay boomer it again. It's just <laughs> yeah. like you know you you could have an open relationship, but then. It's like they're no, because the other two wanted yeah, them exclusively. Yeah, the lovers to needed them exclusively. Lucy and Aiden, or they could have been having swinger sex, yeah. but you know that's that's not happening. Yeah. Also, a scene we didn't uh, talk about, but I kind of want to revisit, um, was one of the earlier arguments we saw between Lucy, not Lucy, uh, between Mary and um, her lover. Robert. He's frustrated, yeah. Robert, when he's frustrated, and he says, "I I can't even eat, I can't sleep, I can't even smoke." And he throws the lighter. She flinches really hard. And I'm like, dude, he's abusive. Like he absolutely, like there was an immediate moment in that scene where I was like, what the shit? So that, and I, earlier in the pod, I talked about how I feel like they had been together for a long time. Mm-hmm. And like, that really does make me feel like that even more so. Like he's definitely abusive and she can't leave him. Even if she wanted to, mm-hmm. maybe she's kind of like, I have to make this choice and makes it easier for him to, for you know, cheat later, I guess. I don't know, just an observation. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see that loiter flinch, but uh, maybe that, that is a thing. Maybe they were trying to tell us that, which makes the ending even sadder. I mean, uh, yeah. Kelly, uh, yeah. What? I mean, why do you think they would go back to each other, you know, uh, after already leaving each other? I, I guess, do you think it's just so that's how they get their rocks off? Or do you think they're 
Is something else going on with the mistresses here? No, I think that that's giving them a lot of credit, and maybe that would be a funner kind of ending, I suppose, if you don't care about leaving, like I said, a wake of bodies behind you in the search of selfish, selfish, hedonistic pleasure that God yep. does not look upon brightly. But I would say... Going to hell. Going to hell. <laughs> it's just like what I had said earlier. That's what they have in common with each other, is that... Like, that's what where their similarity lies. Like, when everything else is removed, that's what they like in in each other, and that that's similar in themselves, is this thrill of the chase, probably. And I hate that he always says, like, both, both when it's Lucy and both when it's Mary, he always starts the call with, I can't stop thinking about you. I don't think I can ever hear that phrase again without, like, my skin crawling right off of my entire body. But... <laughs> That's just what I think they have in common is that they like to cheat and they know that they can do it with each other. So I don't know. So much lying. So much lying in this movie. Yeah. Their lives are so boring that uh, this is the only thrills they can get throughout the day. They cannot like yeah. entertain themselves any other way. They yeah. can't just stream all of Naruto. All how many seasons of Naruto are there? You know, like, why just don't imagine. they just do that instead of cheating on each other? Imagine if they did. Man, he could just start playing piano again. Right. Yeah, he could just start playing piano again. Stream Naruto and play piano. And, you know, then you wouldn't have to cheat on your wife. You got one kid. Right? Yeah. But you're going to, you know, at least you got one good cheers in you. you Yeah. A good family gathering. Well, there was actually a a second child in the picture. and There was a picture there shown, and there was a second child. No, I'm just kidding. That no, there. <laughs> Jesus, you're like, wait say, a minute. I'm like, is this another <laughs> dark about undertone? <laughs> All right, sorry. Um, <laughs> Cole, um, I guess last question here. If you were Joel, would you ever talk to them again after leaving? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely would. Again, I think as you get older and you become like an adult yeah. and you start understanding the real world and you don't see your parents as these idealistic people because there is no such thing they're not perfect no one's perfect and everyone fucks up you know you start you you have to kind of realize do you want to continue to have a relationship with with this person given their faults and i think both of his parents have faults everyone does but i don't necessarily think they're up to the up to the you know the point of a being so egregious that you should completely cut out um them from your life i mean obviously you could limit you don't have to talk to them you don't have to be the same but you know cutting people out of your life is 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 a very like definite thing right like it's almost like a permanent thing and i don't know if that's necessary necessarily ever the best option um unless it's obviously something super egregious like if someone just you know you found out your dad maybe was a serial killer you know you don't necessarily need to talk to him Kevin, would you ever talk to your parents again after all that? No, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, same situation as Cole's. They divorced parents. You know, they probably both had some shitty skeletons in their closets during that whole thing, and we probably will never talk to about those moments. And it's not for me, nor it's my story. So um, I love my parents regardless. And no, I I can't imagine he stays away completely forever. Maybe sure. doesn't talk to his dad for a hot minute, but uh, although really it was 
at that train scene was like if I literally do anything like my parents punch me in the face like that there's not a lot of love there mm-hmm. really really isn't so there's maybe not yeah she's like I'm gonna break up with this guy <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, so he does nice meet and her parents, though, right? Like, asking yeah. great questions. Like, that's, oh, that's where so it ends. He's meeting her parents, yeah. so we know it continues at least. But don't know why. But uh, <laughs> Kelly, what are the horoscopes of uh, Mary, Michael, and Joel? Okay, Joel is an Aries for sure. Do you want me to elaborate yeah. more? Yes. All right. So Aries are our youngest in the zodiac. They are hotheads, total fire yeah. sign, uh, vo- volatile uh, youngsters. I think that embodies Joel. They're the ram, so just think of him ramming through a wall. Okay, yeah. uh, Mary is a, I'm going to give her a Virgo because she appreciates yeah. the arts and the finer things like she does, but she kind of gives this like meek exterior, but she's a low-key freak. With her, with her lovers, the way that she is, and her little like sex lunch dates, we love that for her. So she's giving Virgo. Michael, he's out here, and Eric, I don't know how you're gonna feel about this, but I think he might be a Libra. And at the time of this he's recording, very, it's Libra yeah, season. Non, non-confrontational in a way. Like he, yep. well, he wants to be in the middle. He doesn't want to start shit. Which I don't think, you told me I have a Taurus moon, so I'm more confrontational, right? That's right, you're more stubborn than that. But as a Libra, he's sitting there, he wants to balance the scales a little bit. He, uh, when he finds out his wife is cheating, he's not going to like move the waters very much. He's like, how can I, how can I navigate in between this? Libras also have a taste for kind of the finer things in life. So he's always got one eye on what's next, what's going to suit him better. And I don't think a Libra and a Virgo would really work together long term much like they didn't but they would be good roommates which is what they kind of become then they get to be low-key freaks again together let's do more kelly horoscope guest corner yeah so robert robert and lucy yeah Yeah. okay you want more going here Uh, yeah robert and lucy 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 is ballerina a little crazy she's a scorpio she uh she's a water sign i would have to think scorpios so they're a little crazy um, any sign can be crazy, but... But she hisses at people. That's she does a little hiss different. at people, which kind of gives me Scorpio a Scorpios bit. Scorpios aren't very audible, though. Um, Are they? Can you hear a Scorpio? Can they hiss at people? Uh, you clearly haven't been close enough to a Scorpio in your life. I, I don't think I have. So she's a water sign for sure. She's driven by her emotions. She's has a career in the arts, but a Scorpio is a very dark type. Dark type of person, very mysterious think uh, witchy kind of gothy and a little bit spooky that's that's what she's giving me and robert lastly maybe like a capricorn something just like laissez-faire i don't know much about capricorns i know that they're a little bit industrious he also seems like a little bit a little a little bit um narcissistic but not in a leo way more in a in like a greedy kind of um I want to succeed in my career kind of way. What would Littlefinger be? Because I think he's exactly <laughs> like Littlefinger. 
Uh, I honestly think he's just as wormy as him. <laughs> Littlefinger's just a rat, straight up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What's the rat sign? He uh, certainly is. Yeah. It's the year of the rat, but there's no rat sign. Well, let's get into our final ratings here. Um, I Honestly, you know, like this movie was pretty cut and dry for me. There's this uh this review is going to be shorter than our normal ones because i think the story is pretty point a to point b we get a little bit about michael's past but like there's not a lot of depth to these characters in my opinion i can see kind of exactly what's going on it was a very strange story obviously the music i feel like was used as a crutch and without the music i don't think this movie would have had any comedic aspects to it and I feel like it would have been a lot more boring than it already was. It needed this music to carry it. And that, you know, gives me some negative points for sure. Um, cinematography, nothing to write home about. There was no shots in here where I was like, ooh, cool. Like, uh, you know, I could see Scorsese or Kubrick making one of these shots. Like, no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not even like, you know, those two, like any other great director you can think of. There, I couldn't think of any standout shots. Uh, the only thing that kind of saves this movie a bit for me was uh, Deborah Winger and Tracy Letts' uh, portrayals of their character. I think they were at least believable in what they were trying to do. They just did not get a good enough script to uh, make this movie interesting enough. So, overall, I'm going to give this movie, I think, just a D. Um, you know, there's worse movies out there, but there's definitely a lot better movies out there, especially in the dramedy category. Uh, go see As Good As It Gets with uh, Jack Nicholson. That's one of my favorite dramedies. That'll be a movie I'll suggest uh, outside of this. Also, if you want a really weird movie. Um, Kevin, how about you give your uh, rating next? Fantastic. Watch this movie with my wife. We were just chilling right before we recorded here. Had some time after work. And uh, I was hoping to be entertained. And I wasn't. So that uh, is the long and short of, of my review. Long, Like Kelly said, there was very much a pacing problem with this film that just drug on. There was scene after scene that just kind of melded into each other. Uh, they, the way they ordered it was just weird. Eric mentioned the lack of cinematography. They put more effort into the scrolling sex scene than they did anything else as far as like a cinematography perspective. There was one other scene where they both sit down on the couch and have a glass of wine where they drink the wine at the same time. That was also about as good as it gets. Um, there really was nothing to ride home about. The soundtrack was jarring. Um, while it did have some good music, I, I appreciate the, the Tchaikovsky and just some of the, the classic um, orchestral tones it just didn't make sense where it was it was choppy it was awkward it filled the spaces with with questions more than answers and you never want a soundtrack to kind of be antagonist to your film you really want it to be complimentary and that certainly was not the case here performances nothing to really write home about um they were all kind of bland uh very meh joel especially disliked uh he didn't even come across good as being an unhinged character didn't like the ending uh didn't really enjoy the themes to be honest with you it was kind of like a get out of jail free because it's okay that you cheat because you'll get back with your 
wife slash husband and we can all sing the pina colada song and realize <laughs> that we like getting caught in the rain because that's essentially what this movie was was just that song except uh 90 minutes yeah uh, so <laughs> <laughs> awful no good don't watch it don't waste your time it's not on any platform you have to rent it if you have a library card and for good reason d24 it was Alrighty. my own lovely lady <laughs> that is what this whole movie is. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know this, but so Kelly got some uh, pina colada lights on, or no, pineapple lights on free and for sale. And I guess pineapple lights are signs of uh, being a swinger. Of swingers, yeah. I had no clue. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. when you know. So, right. so yeah, Kelly if you get people knocking this, on though. your door, you know you screwed up. Yeah, they're actually in the back. They're in the background right now. Kelly didn't know that pineapple lights were for swingers. And, I did. And I got came this home. And realized it. I came home and oh, I was like, knew. "Oh, yeah. wait a second!" Because they were waiting for me. <laughs> the husband the and swingers? wife were both on the porch. I thought they'd be like, "Hey, the lights are on the porch. Just grab them and go." And I went to go grab them, and they're both like sitting there on the porch, giving me looks. And I was like, "Okay, thanks for the lights. Bye." <laughs> Then I got oh, home, then I you like, realized oh it. Gosh. Yeah, <laughs> oh. they wanted to do me. <laughs> Maybe that that was like code for Maybe. like, oh, hey, yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll come next time and we'll see what's going on. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway, Kelly. I'm just kidding. We're not swingers. We watch Naruto. <laughs> We're not anyway. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Pineapples are right side up. Kelly, your rating. For now, oh, just kidding. Um, anyways, um, one, I don't like dramedies. I've never met a dramedy I've really liked, like really liked. So that immediately puts it at the highest rating possible. Would still be kind of low. And then they didn't um, do a good job. Like I've kind of touched on everything that I could. I don't think that the acting was bad. I just think every character was written into a box, and the soundtrack was like its own character doing its own thing the whole time that didn't really fit in with the movie for me. And it was the most flexible of all of the characters that were on screen. And then like the last few words that I wrote, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a complete hater, but I just wrote boring, empty, over it, not for me. That's how I just feel about this movie. So, but also not the worst thing in the whole entire world. So it's not like it's going to get an F from me. I'll never watch it again. I'll never recommend it to anybody. And I wish I hadn't seen it. D minus 24. Cole, round us out here. Yeah, so I think it's pretty obvious that I was not, not a fan of this film. Um, you know, even as, like, you know, I grew up in a divorced household and, like, split parents and all that stuff. And so I kind of understand where they're coming with at a certain extent. But it's weird to make... Uh, almost a comedy romance about people about infidelity um and it just maybe if the writing was better or this the, the script was very bland and boring i mean there's literally the scene where the father is talking to his mistress and the mistress confronts him about fucking his wife and his response was oh as if it's like, <laughs> yuck and it's like is i, I don't know did a fucking 12 year old write this script i don't know i don't understand um it doesn't does not make sense to me um i genuinely just didn't like pretty much everyone in this film um i don't understand why people like this movie uh, i don't recommend it i don't think it's worth watching i think there's a lot of other films out there so i mean all in all i just it's a forgettable film it's an e24 for me all righty e24 
thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, please find us on all social media platforms. It's Twitter, not X. Fuck you, Elon Musk. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Vine. Uh, next week, we will be sharing our top 10 films from the 1990s. So you know what that means. Wade's World! Wade's World! Party time! Excellent! Excellent. <laughs>